Good morning. This is Grace Cho of Entrepreneur. Today, we're speaking with Toby Usnick. So Toby is the author of The Caring Economy, How to Win with CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility, available on Amazon. Mr. Usnick has held many important positions, Chief Corporate Social Responsibility Officer and International Director at Christie's, the New York Times as the Executive Director of Public Relations. You are also the Head of Global Communications at Razorfish. The list goes on and on. Today, we're going to talk to Toby about corporate social responsibility. I'm so honored to speak with you today, Toby. Thank you, Grace. I'm honored to be with you. I'd love for us to learn more about the book that you had written uh, around corporate social responsibility. But first, please define what that is for us. Sure. Well, corporate social responsibility is, in a certain sense, whatever a brand or an individual interprets it as. But in the broadest sense, it really is both the philosophy and the practice of an organization, a corporation, to be more responsible in their transactions and their daily interactions vis-a-vis their employees, vis-a-vis their customers, and vis-a-vis the larger community and planet. So I often describe in the caring economy uh, the thought of a bullseye where a brand looks at those three circles, the the employees in the middle, the customers in the middle ring, and the outer ring being the other stakeholders in the planet. And thinking of that bullseye constantly about all our daily interactions with that brand and how we are careful, more mindful about being responsible. So that's, in the broadest sense, corporate social responsibility. How did you come to focusing on CSR in the first place? Well, it's interesting because my, uh, my background is in corporate communications, and for 25 years or more, I've worked in that space, and there's always been an element of what's now considered CSR in that function. Um, the roots of CSR, as it's sort of considered today, uh, really did not just start overnight. There were great brands, legacy brands, like American Express, where I worked, started in the 70s and 80s to think about their impact above and beyond the the bottom line. A lot of it came from negative matters, such as oil companies dealing with spills or or manufacturers of of athletic wear dealing with uh, human rights issues in their factories abroad. And from that sort of reactive approach, brands started to monitor, report, improve their activities to lessen the negative impact of their their business operations. And then that melded in with the philanthropy in these organizations where companies were giving money and supporting causes, usually in their hometowns and their communities. And then it grew further to where I think it's exciting today, which is incorporating thought leadership actions. So for example, uh, say what you will about Nike and Colin Kaepernick and social justice, but it was a bold move for a brand to to put a stake in the ground and say we're going to stand behind this uh, on this issue. And so now we're we've really gone into almost an activist area with certain brands: Starbucks on straws, Nike on social justice, Levi's on gun violence. This is uh, an amalgamation of many different strands in corporate practices over the past several decades. But now it's getting a little bit more, I'll say, more uniform globally with corporations. So I think it's bringing the potential impact to an even higher and greater level. It's quite exciting. So by that, do you see this taking hold both in the U.S. and in global businesses? As with most 
issues in life. There's a spectrum. I call my book The Caring Economy because I think the language needs to be that simplified because language can throw people off or confuse or just be misinterpreted. But there is no doubt a movement in more than a movement, I would say a secular change in business where brands, investors, employees are now realizing that their brand is somewhere on that caring spectrum. And people are going to choose to interact with that brand, whether they be employees, investors, or customers, or all the above, based on how caring or responsible it is. And that spectrum is from those who are paying no attention to it, to those who are leading the charge. They have the support of their shareholders, their customers, and their employees. That's very interesting. I'm very curious to learn more about how you launched this at Christie's. You know, uh, it was it was a fun launch in that it was somewhat organic, and no pun intended, because sometimes CSR is an, another word people will use is sustainability, which often connotes environmental practices, and that is part of CSR, but it's not the whole of it. Um, or corporate citizenship. So we were already doing uh, a lot of things at Christie's that fall under what one considers CSR. We just didn't have a CSR program formalized. So for example, I launched the green auction at Christie's, which was an environmental oriented auction. We brought four environmental groups, Oceana, Central Park Conservancy, Conservation International, and Natural Resources Defense Council, or NRDC, together for a three-year commitment to raise funds and awareness around environmental uh, activism. And it was a huge success getting these four players together and brought in a lot of buzz. We had Nicki Minaj at the start of her career and on a wind tour and Salma Hayek and just fantastic fun, but sort of educational and fundraising impact. And that was what sort of had a, a new CEO of mine who came in say, we'd like to make a fuller formal commitment to this. So based on things like the green auction and the philanthropy and the charity auctions that we were doing at Christie's, I was asked to formalize it, and um, so I did. I threw myself into it um, quite happily. I, I mean, it wasn't easy because it was a small team, and we had limited resources, and change is never um, a, you know, a cakewalk. But it was relatively predestined, I would say, because we had all the bones or the elements in place. We just needed me to kind of tie it together, massage it a bit, and tell the story, measure it, report on it, and then have dialogue, ongoing dialogue with our stakeholders. How did the arts industry react to it? And then in general, with your work with other companies? I started when I first began at Christie's, something called ArtsCom, which is a quarterly breakfast club for the chief communications officers of all the top flight cultural institutions in New York. So I started small, building uh, this network and then over the coming months, we engaged the Guggenheim and, and MoMA. And then over time, we went to Morgan Library and Newark Museum. In the past couple of years, we've gone even a little farther outside of the city and a little bit smaller. So we have um, Dia Beacon involved. What happens is the communications folks are often the odd ducks in the organization. So ArtsCom is kind of like an odd ducks convention where we come together once a quarter and we address the shared concern for promoting next generation of culture seekers. So even though in a sense these organizations compete for viewers, visitors, dollars, there are some things in which we're all in this together. And so ArtsCom is a great way of finding that common ground. 
And that's why I, as a commercial member, was able to go to the nonprofit organizations and bring them in. They could have been mistrusting, but in fact, valued as I valued their insights, they valued mine. And we move forward together to this day. So we've had a great way of sharing and collaborating. It's wonderful to have a sounding board of peers in the cultural community who, you know, we know each other, we have each other's backs, and we equally importantly have the ears of our directors, our CEOs, so that we can really get the best thinking and collaboration around quite significant issues of our time. I love that because uh, the way you describe that sounds like a CSR is at the middle of politics and education and media and companies. And you're sitting right in the middle of all of that. And these corporate communication heads have to deal with all of those. It's true. And the irony is this is just what I did and what my colleagues did and what we do. So this somewhat is innate. You know, I'd like to claim credit for creating it or being the originator, but I'm not. But what I am doing is helping my readers see the history, the legacy, the evolution, and invite them to both be a part of it, but also to save them time and energy and resources and not reinvent the wheel. And so I'd like to help my readers, the business leaders, get back to that empathetic, caring position and work from there. If we can think about that in our respective brands, it's a mind shift. It doesn't necessarily require money or staffing or resources. It just first starts with a mind shift. And hopefully the leaders of the organizations are leading that charge. But even if they're not, if you're in the rank and file of an organization, you can still be that change. So what would you recommend they start doing? Well, number one, congratulations. Just having that thought is huge. They often say that first half of solving a problem is just acknowledging that you have a problem. So I would submit in this day and age, if a brand leaders are not thinking about CSR, then they have a problem because this is without a doubt uh, more than a trend, more than greenwashing. This is the, the way the world is headed. These young consumers, employees, investors are thinking differently about a brand they have very strong expectations that it's more than just a transactional relationship. They want positive, additive relationship. So kudos to anyone who's at least asking the questions, what could we be doing differently? And then the next step I always recommend is to do a, a, a listening tour starting internally because employees, all great brands, as my old colleague Kathleen Mathis said at the New York Times, great brands are built from the inside out. So if your employees don't care about what you are thinking about in vis-a-vis CSR, then don't even begin. But I promise you, if a leader uh, or a mid-level person in an organization starts to talk to colleagues about CSR or sustainability or caring, they're going to find that there is uh, a lot of heads nodding and saying, yes, we need to do more. We want to do more. We care. And then after you do that, start to hypothesize based on your brand DNA, what is in your mission as an organization, what lends itself to be supportive of that. So, for example, we at Christie's built, we built Art and Soul, which was our CSR platform. And as the name suggests, art was at the core of it, but then the soul piece was just bringing a little bit more meaning into our daily interactions with our our clients and with our employees and our other stakeholders. So um, do the listening tour and start to hypothesize what would be an expression of your brand DNA that also amplifies your, your CSR, your caring, and then workshop it. And I, I really believe in starting small and piloting things, environmental concerns. We looked at our philanthropic activities. We looked at our volunteerism or employee engagement. And then we looked at thought leadership ideas and, and 
activities, for example, staking out a position on uh, Nazi looted art or on conflict antiquities from Syria and Iraq and making sure that we were on the right side of history. And then once we felt that we had our house in order, then being able to talk about it and engage others in the cultural community around it. So it's too easy in business to not go there because it might lose a little business or get some bad press. But I would argue that that's where the opportunities are to really not just have a stronger, better business, but also to be on the right side of history and ultimately to, to see the upside. How does a company really show that they're truly committed versus this is just another marketing campaign? So uh, two thoughts on that. One is, uh, to your point, I couldn't agree more. I say you can't fake caring. You know, as a customer, as an employee, as an investor, you know if a brand really cares about you or not. You just have a gut visceral reaction to it. Um, So that said... Even when a brand is likely to be charged with greenwashing or doing more marketing than actually caring, I would submit that it's still additive and it's helpful to challenges facing the planet. For example, I write about brands like Ford, which has made a big commitment through the years to breast cancer. And, you know, it's admirable, but I don't think that it's the most authentic use of philanthropic dollars or example of caring because to me, it looks like a, a bold move to just sell cars to women. And um, that's not to say that those dollars spent aren't helpful for a really important cause. But I think that for an automobile manufacturer, that money, those energies would be better spent looking at artificial intelligence or the future of work and how they can innovate and you know reduce carbon footprints and create jobs and other things that in fact, they are now doing, most of the auto manufacturers are doing that, but this is an evolution for CSR. And as the customers and the employees and shareholders get more more activist uh, shareholders, you're going to see it get more and more sophisticated so that the authenticity is going to be more and more obvious. And I think actually we're going to see brands iterate, which I do recommend in my book. So Ford... I think over time we'll be doing more and more around the sort of thought leadership work and technology and the future of work and artificial intelligence and, and uh, driverless vehicles. Um, and let those who are perhaps in the healthcare or medical research areas uh, take up more of the lead around breast cancer. I think the more authentic you are, here's the irony. A lot of companies might think that this is not, uh, quote, uh, there's a, a not enough return, but when you do this authentically, in fact, there is a financial gain. Yeah, George Seraphim and um, Bob Eccles. I did some studies with them up at. I worked. I did a, a sustainability certificate at Harvard Business School, and those two have written and researched about it. And you do see an uptick in the stock price and the performance of companies that make this kind of commitment. The power of visual the visual in terms of moving hearts and minds uh, is extraordinary. So uh, visual artists can play a very important role in pushing forth CSR uh, with companies, with various brands uh, in the work that they do. Yes, I, I say often that we are living in the most connected and creative time in history. So if we can't solve these, these problems that we're facing 
then it is our fault because we should have the best thinking, the best collaboration, no matter who you are, where you are in the world, you now have the potential to share your thinking, your ideas, and not even as a formal artist, but just as someone with a, an iPhone, you have an opportunity for a platform like never before in history. And you can take it directly to the consumer, to your legislators. And then for the brands, they are really now experimenting more with the social media and less with advertising. And they are shifting, and this has happened real time in my career, um, from people like me being the brand policemen to becoming the brand ambassadors, where you have to have a dialogue. And the visualization of data and messages is absolutely where it's going. People don't have time or the attention span to think more than a quick slide of a photo on a, a website or on a phone. So I think it's going to be very exciting for artists. Um, uh, and the other thing I would say is particularly in tech, because there's a movement afoot now that we've all heard. I think of your audience, I think you've all heard about uh, STEM education, science, technology, mm -hmm. engineering, math remain competitive. But what I see more and more and hear more and more, and I think is a healthy thing, is STEM to STEAM, where we're putting the A in there for the art, because the technical trained minds still need that sort of orthogonal thinker, the one who can go cross-disciplinary and pull these disparate pieces together. And artists have that gift. So the STEM to STEAM movement, I think, is we're going to see and hear more about it. You're, going, you're already seeing the Googles of the world recruiting more and more from the the non-tech world, the, the artist type person. And I think that's a healthy thing. We need to bring that human quality back to business. And so I see this as a nice confluence of tech and STEAM and the artists taking on a more influential role in business. I'm going to ask you to be a futurist uh, about this. Uh, you know, in addition to what you said, if you look out 10 years from now, if all this was working properly, what would you like to see? What I, I think is going to happen is the CSR function is going to eventually go away because going back to this concept of the caring economy, we all learned as kids to respect each other, to play fair, to be nice. So it shouldn't be one person or one function's responsibility of the brand be caring. Right? All employees should be living and breathing the traits of a caring economy or CSRs. And the Gen Zs that are coming up now, I'm sure you meet with them and, and millennials, they, they just have a higher expectation that companies will quote unquote do the right thing. So I think as they enter the workforce, we're just going to see that we're already seeing it, that these brands are, the employees are the practitioners of the CSR, not a particular department. It's exciting to think in the next 10 years that all employees or the majority of employees at brands are going to be the CSR ambassadors, spokespeople, what have you, because we need to get there. It does need to go away because brands should just on their own be responsible, right? And I think the pendulum is going to start to swing back. We've seen how greed has gotten away with a lot in the past few years. And I don't think that's sustainable because people are feeling pain, people are feeling left behind, and they're also now realizing that they can have a voice, they can have uh, a role in changing that, and the business is the biggest lever for social change, and it's quite exciting for those brands that want to embrace that and go there. Those that don't, I think, are not going to re 
recruit and retain the employees that they need and want. And I don't think that their customers and the investors are going to go there. And the second point I would say, and this is uh, real proof in the pudding, is um, Larry Fink, who runs uh, BlackRock, the largest asset manager in the world, $7 trillion under management. He has, for the past two years in his stakeholder annual letter, said purpose and profit are inextricably linked. So they expect now in all the brands that work with them that they track, monitor, report on what's called ESG, Environment Social Governance. It is the fastest growing area in financial services. So the fact that the big investors, the big asset managers are really getting behind this, that they feel they have a fiduciary responsibility to do it, is proof to me that it's going to be harder and harder to get away with bad business practices um, if you're not going to look at social justice, environmental degradation, fair wages, inclusion. You're, you're really going to be hard-pressed. Outstanding points. I, I read that and I was really applauding him for making, uh, bringing such focus to it. Yeah, it proved that there's not, this is not a fringe movement now. This is mainstream. This is where business is headed, and it's only going to become more the case. Now, Toby, you have, you personally have had such an incredible career, a huge one, with lots of important positions. I'm just so curious as to why you chose this, and what what is it giving back to you? You know, I dedicate the book to my mom, and I... I I was fortunate to come up in a, a loving family situation. I mean, my mom was widowed with five boys and single for many years and eventually remarried. But I have incredible respect for her. She's since passed away. But she taught us that there was always more room at the table for anyone. And you can imagine a widow with five boys and still finding room at the table at Thanksgiving to bring in, you know, some exchange students or military who couldn't go home for Thanksgiving. And so that infused me throughout my life. So in a sense, this is the journey I've always been on. So I'm thrilled, excited that I'm able to help other brands build out that kind of legacy because we need to get there. I mean, the planet is in peril. Um, People are hurting and the leadership is lacking in many organizations. And if I can help move brands further along a spectrum to more caring, more responsible practices, then I, I feel like I'm on mission for who I am, both in my DNA and in my upbringing. And then going beyond my family and my upbringing, just I've had the great fortune to work for great leaders at great brands from Harvey Gallup at American Express, the New York Times company, Christie's under Ed Dolman. You know when you're in the presence of a great leader. A leader is someone, quite simply, that we want to follow. And I can see it in a five-year-old or six-year-old. And it's it's mesmerizing to see leadership traits in, in any individual. And to encourage that and use our power, our influence to nurture that is uh, not only joyful, but I think it amplifies and rewards us more. And I actually think that that's true leadership. I think there are a lot of charlatans out there that are leaders, but... They're using divisive practices or corrupt practices, and that will not endure. I think that evil and greed will always be present, but I don't think history will view such leaders favorably. And I, Grace, don't need to be proven right on this. I know this, um, and so I will just keep on doing what I'm doing 
even if sometimes I feel a little bit alone. The truth of the matter is I'm not. I feel more and more like people are realizing what's at stake and what the opportunities are. Toby Usnick, it's been our great pleasure and honor to have spoken with you. Please come back with an update. But in the meantime, uh, all of our listeners out there, please take a look at the book, The Caring Economy, How to Win with CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility. It is available on Amazon. Uh, you could also go to Toby's website, www.tobyusnick.com and look for more in the future episodes. So I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you, Grace. Thank you. This is Grace Cho, entrepreneur. We help creative succeed. Bye-bye.